Um, it's a funny thing preparing a sermon. I've got a presentation. Um, you have to do a lot of deep thinking. And one of the places where I do my most deep thinking, and I really, you know, commune with the Lord, is in the shower. And I discovered something this week which I think is absolutely amazing. Um, as you know, we're, we're um, talking about spending less, and it's um, following on this series about the Advent conspiracy and how we can rethink Advent. But this thing that I found is on Twitter, and it's an account called Shower Thoughts. Are you ready for this? I don't think you're ready for this. And what, um, what this account does is it takes things that we know and it sort of gives them a different spin. So an example is something like this. The first person to make ice cream probably ate all the ice cream in the world at the time. You think, fair play. Or something like this. Socks are just portable carpets. <laughs> Blew my mind. Oh. Squirrels are just rats that learn parkour. <laughs> Mirrors don't really break, they multiply. Oh, that one's a bit clever, isn't it? That's a bit cerebral, that one. Technically, the biggest difference between surfing and snowboarding is just the temperature of the water. <laughs> this is a bit more on theme. I am going somewhere, don't worry, with, with all of this. And then finally, First you believe in Santa Claus, then you don't believe in Santa Claus, then you are Santa Claus, and finally you look <laughs> like Santa Claus. And I'm not telling you to point at all this morning. But and what I, what I love about this account on Twitter is it gets you to think about something that you, you come into contact with every day, and it puts a new spin on that thing. And I was thinking about Advent and Christmas, and the big question that I'm um, asking this morning is how can we think differently about Christmas? And specifically, how can we think differently about our spending at Christmas? Now, I don't know about you. You might be someone who really, really loves Christmas shopping. Has anyone completed their Christmas shopping yet? Anyone there? Oh, I see a couple of hands. The thing is, I know all of you, and I know what you're like. <laughs> Uh, one thing I love about Annabelle is she's so organized. So we have our Christmas cards bought in January for the year. That is a great tip. Do it. You save a lot of money. <laughs> but I, I absolutely hate Christmas shopping. Like, I'm the polar opposite of going, you know, we go out shopping. And it's even with, like, birthday cards. I'm so sorry if you ever received a card from me because probably no thought has gone into that card. It is the first thing I spot on the shelf. I'm, I put a lot of thought into yours, don't worry. <laughs> but anyone else, <laughs> you know, and it would usually be the first one that the gender's right on it, and I can't even guarantee that sometime. Uh, and the age is right, and I'll go in and I'll just go, that'll do, that, that's fine, you know, Merry Christmas, and it'll be February. But that, that's the type of, you know, my approach. I, I literally, I hate shopping with an absolute passion. If you could be an evangelist for how much you dislike shopping, that, that's probably me. And it, it's, it's actually painful. Um, it really is. <laughs> I need a lot of prayer around this time of year. I remember um, growing up, probably the most exciting thing about Christmas was waking up on Christmas morning and darting down the stairs after having not slept. Um, and you'd be waiting at the door, and it'd be almost like horses at the races, just like waiting. My mum would come down, and she'd open up the, the door, and we'd all go in, and we'd be like, oh, wow, 
this pile of presents would be in front of us and we'd descend on them. And that, that was sort of Christmas growing up. And I got so like into sort of that whole thing about what am, I, what am I going to get? Or what are you getting for Christmas? That's a question that's asked all the time this type of year, isn't it? What are you getting this type of time of Christmas? At this Christmas time. Um, I remember my dad used to get the Argos catalogue out. And he was like, anyone else had this? And he was just like, circle one thing that you want. And then we'd hand it off to wherever. Um, and, and that would be our method. And I got so, as a child, I got so consumed with, with getting and receiving. And actually to the point where it was quite greedy. I remember at one point, this all changed for me. And this thinking around Christmas all dramatically changed. When I was around 13 or 14, um, we, uh, as part of what my mum does, she works in a charity up on the world delivering food parcels. And I, I went with her um, one morning. And we went around and did our runs and delivered all these food parcels. And people were really, really grateful. Went to some really rough areas of, of Liverpool and the Wirral. And the last, the last thing, the last address on that list was an address in Port Sunlight, which is probably as delightful as the name sounds. It's a really, really nice area. And you go in, and there's, there's Tudor, Tudor buildings and brick houses, and it's absolutely stunning. And we pull up to this house, and I'm sort of going, is this the right address? Have you got this right? And I said, yeah, that's, this is right. And it's a beautiful house. And we pick up the, the hamper, and we walk up the drive, and then we go in. And as we open the door, we realize that this house isn't at all like it is on the outside. But instead, it's, it's dark and there's not much furniture. And in the back end of the house, in the kitchen, there's this lady. And this lady self-harmed and she was living in absolute poverty. And we gave her this hamper and it meant the world to her. And it changed her perspective. And it's something at that moment, for me, the meaning behind Christmas clicked. That actually isn't about receiving. It isn't about getting. It's about giving. I realized that I had something to give at that, opportun- at that moment. I was 14 years old. I realized at that point I had something to offer the world. I had something to give to the world through my giving. As you heard before, we are in the top 1% richest people on the planet. The top 1%. Imagine the amount we could give if we really put our minds to it. This experience changed my view of Christmas. And I hope that perhaps through this message that your view of Christmas and your view of giving might subtly change as well. I want you to know that you have an incredible ability to change someone's life and transform someone's circumstances through your giving this year. That you can give something to someone that is truly life-transforming. And perhaps I want to challenge you a bit and ask you really deep down, have you ever thought deeply about how you're spending at Christmas? Do you ever really think about where your money goes and how it might impact those around us and ourselves? Do you know on average that um, we spend up to £750 per person at Christmas time? And I don't know who those people are, it certainly isn't me, but... 750 pounds of gifts at Christmas. You know, if, if everyone here spent that much and put it into a pool, you know, you're looking at something.
crazy, I was never very good at maths, so you can work it out in your head. A crazy amount. We have to learn how to spend less. Next week we'll talk about giving more. Looking at a story in Matthew um, chapter 2, we see the kings coming to Jesus and worshipping at his feet and bringing presents of gold, frankincense and myrrh honoring Jesus through what they were giving. And that's my first point. That's what I want you to take away first of all, is our gifts and our giving at Christmas must honor Christ. It must honor Christ. God doesn't hate us spending money. God doesn't despise our generosity. He wants us to be generous. He wants us to give. But does it honor him in the way that we give? Are we spending within our means? Are we spending money on things that will honor others? And not just the receiver, but the rest of the world as well. Each of the different gifts to Christ um, meant a different thing. It was a prophetic gift. You have gold for his royalty, frankincense for his priestly status, and myrrh reflecting his death and resurrection. I'm going to challenge you this year to think prophetically about the gifts that you're giving. That sounds like quite a strange concept, but if you think about prophetically in giving a gift that encourages and speaks into someone's life, it can be an amazing thing. Um, I was at Jill Sell's Thanksgiving last week, and it was an amazing service. I don't know if anyone else was there, but it was, it was beautiful, and perhaps one of the most amazing things, above all of, you know, um, above all, just what resounded was that Jill had an amazing life where she encouraged and fostered gifts in people um, that perhaps they couldn't even see. And one of the other amazing things that happened at that service is we had two wonderful violin players, one of them being Peter Miller, who sat with us this morning, and another lady who played violin, and those songs were absolutely wonderful. And I, I ended up, me and Peter ended up chatting just before the service, and he was talking about um, how he, I asked him how he got his violin. And you got your violin from your father, right, when you were very young. How young were you when you got your violin, Peter? Eleven years old. And you still have the same violin today. <laughs> your father gave you that violin at eleven. And through that gift, we have all been blessed now, I'm not going to ask how many years later, Peter, but we've all been blessed through that gift that was given at that point. At that point, Peter began his journey on um, his, his musical career. And I remember, similarly for me, I got my first uh, Yamaha keyboard, and it was great. It, I felt, if anyone wants to know someone learn, what someone's learning the keyboard for the first time sounds like, the best picture of that is Ross and Friends. <laughs> that, that's pretty much it and if you don't get the reference I'll explain to you after but I had all sorts of different sounds and through that something of my gifting started and something of my gifting in worship began and what I'm saying to you is as you're gifting this, this season as you're, as you're giving things to different people think how that might spark something in them think how that might actually cause a, a change in calling or a realisation of calling for them rather than just buying something just to get it out 
uh, to tick their name off the list, which is something that I'm very guilty of. I literally go down the list. I'm like, what can I get you, you and you? Yes, my dad will love a onesie. That is exactly what he needs. <laughs> In my mind, that is, that is just, you know, I just want to get out of the shop. <laughs> and I've been challenged this year. And I think that... Uh, <laughs> A good example of this was yesterday. We went and finished off a Christmas shopping, and I was awful. I was so grumpy. And, you know, <laughs> and I'm trying to learn how to actually appreciate the art of gift giving and, and spending time thinking about what to give people. The Magi, when they were giving gifts to Jesus, they considered these things. They, they obviously prayed about it because it was pretty spot on, and they worshipped him through it. I, I was actually, um, for those who don't really know my story, a big part of my testimony is I was actually converted through um, an older lady at a Christmas fair. And what happened was, is I was just walking around, I was a 13, 14 year old boy, and um, walked to the end of the, end of the um, stalls. Christmas fairs are wonderful things, aren't they? They're great, you can get all sorts of rubbish from them. <laughs> <laughs> I walked to the end, and there was this books, bookstore, a bookstore, and um, I didn't have any money. I, was just, I just came there literally to play football with my mates. And, and she said to me, she looked at me as I walked past the stand, and she said, you have to read this. I was like, oh, gosh, okay. And she handed me a copy of um, Nikki Cruz, Run, Baby, Run. And through reading that book, eventually I found a faith, a personal faith for me. And it was through her generosity and her prophetic gift-giving, that actually I'm standing here today. You have an opportunity to do that this year. You have an opportunity to give gifts that transform lives. Another part of honouring Christ and honouring people um, through our giving is considering perhaps where we buy our, our gifts. Is it an ethical place to be buying presents? Are we looking, is it sustainable? Is it encouraging something within our children, this particular gift? Is it encouraging a positive gift? Or is it encouraging them to be perhaps more isolated? Consider what the... If, if they were to just... One question you could ask is if, if you were to, they were to just have that gift, and that was the only gift in the world, what, what would they um, become as a result of having that gift? What, where would they go? What is that gift growing inside of them? You have the opportunity to change someone's life through prophetic giving. Uh, Almost the second point that I want to draw out of this passage is everyone has something to offer this year to those in need. Christmas isn't just an opportunity to receive. Everyone has something to offer this year to those in need. Shepherds and kings alike. Shepherds and kings brought two different presents when they came to Jesus. The kings came and brought what they could, which was these material gifts. But if you read the shepherd's passage over in Luke 2, the the phrase that's used is that the shepherds brought words that Mary treasured up in her heart. She treasured up in her heart. Wherever you are now, you might be, you know in a place where perhaps you can, you can give generously this year like the kings or you might be in a place where perhaps finances are tight and this time of year is going to be hard and you're going to scrape through it no matter where you are you have something to give and you have something to give that people will treasure and people will remember everybody can give 
Do you know that um, I was reading a couple of um, childhood psychology um, articles um, from Psychology Today and The Independent around giving and Christmas. And we, what you can learn from that is that our giving and our, the generosity part of our brain that allows us to do that is actually formed in childhood and um, into adolescence. And it's proven that children who are taught to think about their gift giving at a young age are more generous in later life. So how can you foster generosity in your children? Well, the article sort of picked up on this thing, which is um, this whole thing about this generosity being produced in kids is particularly true when parents allow children to pick gifts themselves and not just the first thing on the shelves. When children attribute meaning to the gifts they're giving, they understand that generosity requires sacrifice and can impact the people they're giving to. I suppose what I'm saying is, how are you um, in this season fostering generosity in the people around you, in the people that you could help um, to, to buy and, and for them to think generously? It could be grandchildren, it could be children. Are you buying gifts for your children to give to relatives and that they have no idea about? Or are you actually asking them, what do you think might be a good thing to buy Auntie, Auntie Doreen or Uncle Bill? There's a good challenge about that in the life group notes, and I'd, I'd um, encourage you to have a look at it. We all have something to give. And at our level as adults, uh, an amazing stat that I read this week, we have 300 homeless people in Paul. 300. Now, I think about that number, and I think my first thought is, wow, that's quite a lot, actually, 300. My second thought is, well, if I think about the lantern, we have about 300 people coming along on a Sunday. If each of us played our part in battling that poverty locally, can you imagine the impact that we can have? Can you imagine the change that we could make? If every one of us spoke to one homeless person, if every one of us maybe preferred one hot meal, if every one of us maybe went a step further and provided a bed for the night, can you imagine the change? We could eradicate homelessness as a church in Paul. That's big faith. That's the things that God could inspire us to do. We all have something to give. Whether it's words that people treasure up, whether it's company, whether it's time doing something that perhaps someone finds very difficult, like housework or something like that, or there are, all, there are ways that we can give without spending a whole ton of money. Last point I want to bring out is our giving doesn't define our identity. A lot of us might be, I suppose the question there is, what, what's our motive behind our giving? Are we truly giving so that people feel encouraged and uplifted and they feel loved? Or are we, are we giving for our own need to feel affirmed? Are we giving gifts so that we can demonstrate how perhaps wealthy we are or that we're in a good place when perhaps the reality is a lot different to that? Giving does not define our identity. It's very easy at this, this time, um, Christmas, to feel guilt and to feel shame um, for those lies to creep in. But we have to remember during this time that our identity is in Jesus. 
we spend on average 750 pounds per person at Christmas. So I mentioned that stat before. That's absolutely crazy. Giving a little bit or giving a lot doesn't define our identity. God does. The kings and the shepherds came to Christ. And besides the gift giving, they both did one thing, which was worship. We can both come to Jesus, poor and rich, together. Don't allow comparison to take over your mindset this season. Um, I think of like the perfect like, biscuit box family, where there's the roaring fireplace and beautiful children. You know, it's, it's like every one of your Christmas days, isn't it? It just runs perfectly, absolutely smooth. No one arrives at church stressed and frustrated. And, you know, it's perfect. No one has a Christmas like that. And if you do, can you please tell me <laughs> what your secret is? It's okay to feel frustrated. But the important thing is we lift those emotions and we lift that guilt and we lift that shame to, to Jesus. And we allow him to take over. And we worship him through our spending and our giving. Sometimes I believe the greatest gift that we can give are kind words. Sometimes the greatest gift is stretching out a hand to a family member that perhaps we've lost connection with. Let's think about how we can make a real impact through our giving this year. Let's think differently about Christmas. If you'd like to join with me in prayer. Father, we lift our hearts up to you. Test us, Lord. We ask for you to instill pure motives and a pure heart in us, Father. Help us to recognize where we can bring change. Help us to recognize where we can instill a spirit of generosity. And Lord, reign us in when we think about overspending. When we base things on identity other than you. Help us to be obedient in this season. We give to your finances. In your precious name. Amen.